If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Can you remember the last time you wrote a paper check or paid cash for a purchase? Digital transactions have become the norm, but is that a good thing? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah examines how the digitizing of our economy might be more than just a convenience, but a sign of the end times. To introduce today's message, a financial prophecy, economic chaos, here's David. And so thankful to have you with us for today's broadcast. And I hope you'll be with us today and tomorrow as we talk about this important subject, a financial prophecy, economic chaos. Well, money is in the middle of everything, isn't it? Money is uh, what everybody cares about so much in this world. The Bible tells us that uh, you cannot serve God and mammon, but a lot of Christians are trying. They're doing their best to have both worlds at the same time. Unfortunately, the Bible has some pretty strong language to tell us what happens if we begin to serve money instead of serving God. And it also has a lot to tell us about what's going to happen in the end to the whole financial system upon which the world has put so much emphasis. We have so much about that that we want to talk about today and tomorrow. We'll be looking at the 13th chapter of Revelation. I hope you'll join us. And if you don't already have the study guide, I hope you will get that. You can get the study guide for this series along with the CD packages from our website, which is davidjeremiah.org. I hope you will do that and uh, let us add value to your life with the teaching of the Word of God from Turning Point. Let's begin our discussion today of the economic chaos that is about to unfold on us. You know, it doesn't take very long to think about how many trillions of dollars we have indebted ourselves in this nation to realize it can't go on forever and already some signs of the weakening of what we have been and who we are. There are some cracks in the financial stability of our nation. Are these fitting into the prophetic statements of the Word of God? Well, let's see what we can learn as we open our Bibles together. Stylishly bearded and wearing a baseball cap, Juan Osterlin pulls on a pair of surgical gloves and uses a wipe to sterilize the top of his client's hand. Then with a quick jab, Osterlin inserts a preloaded syringe into the man's skin, and the man gasps as a tiny microchip about the size of a grain of rice and encased in a silicate glass enters his body. It invisibly embeds itself in his hand as the man exclaims, 
I'm a cyborg. <laughs> so what do you think? Is that clip from a horror movie or a dystopian television show? Or could it be from the nightly news? Well, this procedure didn't take place in a dark movie or in the middle of a criminal lair. It happened in the clean and bright offices of a company in Sweden specializing in biochips. The company is called Biohacks International. It's where Osterlund is the CEO. And he estimates that he has chipped more than 6,000 Swedes during the six years his company has been in business. The microchip that he injects into clients uses radio frequency technology, and you might have a similar chip in your dog or your cat. Chipping pets is a popular way of tracking them if they ever get lost. Some of you probably know about that. But human microchipping is more sophisticated, and it offers a broader range of applications. The chip can be used to open secure doors or log into computers. All you have to do is just wave your hand. It can be used for contactless payments. When the chip is linked with bank or credit accounts, users can access funds by swiping their hand over the payment terminals. Actual credit cards are no longer needed. The technology has literally gotten under your skin. <laughs> and it's coming soon to a hand near you. <laughs> Embedded microchips will offer you a world without keys wallets or other encumbering items, a world where everything is accessible with just a touch. In the future, such biochips will detect illness, monitor your vital signs, and send instant messages to your doctor. Of course, they could potentially be used to track your movements, to reveal your secrets, inform a totalitarian government what you're feeling and saying, this is both exciting and frightening at the same time. Osterlin believes his company's success is connected to Sweden's culture of embracing new technology, technology that still frightens people in other parts of the world. The geopolitical situation historically gives us the kind of initial higher trust in the government, he said. I think a lot of people would be way more apprehensive in a lot of countries than we are here in Sweden. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm very apprehensive about that. It's bad enough what they can do through your cell phone. If you have something embedded in your skin, you are lost to yourself, and you have no idea what's going on. In fact, I'll tell you right now, I know enough about what's happening that you have no idea what's going on right now just with your cell phone and other devices that you have that you think you're totally under control. Well, maybe you're thinking, doesn't the Bible say something about this sort of thing? Haven't I heard about something being stamped on our hands or on our foreheads? Yeah, you have. You're right. The evolving biometric chip technology reminds us of a prophecy that's found in Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 to 17. It's a passage predicting something that will happen at the end of history during the Great Tribulation. Now, having heard the story I've told you about what's happening in Sweden, listen carefully to these words from the Scripture. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast 
or the number of his name. Could the technology being produced by Osterlin and many others be our foreshadowing of this mark of the beast we read about in the book of Revelation? That's really worth considering, so we're going to do that. This technology is coming more quickly than we know. It's ahead of schedule, and I suspect we'll soon be facing some personal choices here in this country with regard to this technology. The appeal and the convenience of these innovations is palpable. Just think about people like me. I can't ever find my keys. They're lost most of the time. Just think about the convenience of not ever losing your keys because they sewed it into your hand. That would seem like a good thing, but the downside of it would not be worth the risk. Just think about this technology in the wrong hands. Could it lead us toward the day when a centralized government will control, attack, punish, and monitor all of us? So yes, without being dogmatic or alarmist, it feels like biometric chips could be a precursor of Revelation 13. And we'll look at that and its ramifications a little bit more later on in this message. But for now, I want you to consider Osterlin's claim that people in some countries might be apprehensive of having microchips or similar technologies embedded in their skin. Is he correct? Are people pushing back at invasive technology? Doesn't look like it to me. I mean, we talk about it. People say they're upset about it, but nothing ever happens. I see multitudes of people, entire nations, choosing to hardwire their lives to devices and move the physical world toward digital without even looking back. And this includes digitizing our relationships, our news, our entertainment, our politics, our health, and yes, even our money. The move toward electronic finances began back in the early 1900s. I remember this a little bit, not as vivid as I do now having read about it. But it's when department stores and a few gas companies began issuing their own proprietary cards. Some of you are shaking your heads up and down because you remember that too. That was new. We hadn't known that before. In 1946, John Biggins introduced Charge It cards, and the Diners Club card showed up in 1950. American Express came along in 1958, and soon thereafter, credit card companies introduced the idea, very lucrative for them, of revolving credit. I hope that doesn't give you a sick feeling in your stomach when I say that. With the onset of the Internet, everything became digitalized. Today, like it or not, we're all relying on the security and trustworthiness of electronic systems and massive banks to manage our savings and handle our finances. Few people are stuffing cash under their beds anymore. They're not stockpiling physical commodities like gold, jewels, or currency. And most workers get their salaries now as direct deposits into their bank accounts, which they access through websites and smartphone apps. We can buy almost anything we want with the click of a mouse or the tap of a finger, downloadable entertainment, mutual funds, household items, and even entire homes. Cash and checks are practically obsolete. Remember those birthday cards with a special slot for a check or a dollar bill? That's yesterday's gift. Now grandparents transfer money instantly through apps like PayPal or Zelle, and a growing number of churches collect their tithes through digital platforms. 
I don't have a problem with that. And it sure does make people more faithful in their giving. But it's just another illustration of how we've made this massive switch from the way we used to do things. And we seem to be moving into this era of comfort with all kinds of digital transactions. One more item deserves mention. This is pretty up-to-date and pretty right on for right now, and that's the rise of all digital currencies, also known as cryptocurrencies. While national currencies such as the dollar or the euro are officially backed by government reserves, digital currencies are decentralized. They don't have a physical foundation in gold or other tangible assets. Instead, cryptocurrencies exist entirely in the world of cyberspace. They are produced online, stored online, and spent online. Incredibly, there are more than 6,500 cryptocurrencies circulating in the world today. Now, many see these digital currencies as the wave of the future. They imagine a world where physical currency has been entirely removed and all transactions are processed digitally. Many voices are even declaring the need for a central bank digital currency, CBDC, which would be a government-backed cryptocurrency designed to be the legal tender of a nation or perhaps even the entire world. More and more, people in the Western world are buying, selling, and giving not with physical money, coins, and bills, but through a series of touches on a small screen. We love the convenience of managing our accounts from our palms. For the most of us, this technology is still on the outside of our hand in our smartphones, but it's only two millimeters from where Osterlund would like it to be, under our skin. What does all this mean for us for the future? And is it a sign of the end times? That's the question. How does this affect the followers of the Lamb right now, today? Let's turn to Scripture for some answers. What does this mean? Well, as we've seen throughout this message, it's difficult to make definitive statements about future events. There are so many variables at play. Even when we have general principles and prophecies from God's Word to guide us, we have to be careful about turning those principles and those prophecies into specific predictions about people, places, and events. So I don't want to leave the impression that a Swedish biochip is necessarily and definitively the biblical mark of the beast. I don't really believe that. But it's hard not to see some obvious trend lines. And there's one thing I can say with confidence. Money will play an essential role in all of the events of the future, including the end times. There's a couple of chapters in the book of Revelation where the economic center of the world at that time, Babylon, is destroyed, and it occupies dozens of verses talking about the destruction of Babylon, the center of the monetary world. So money's always been important in the past. Everything connected with economics is increasingly important today. But it's driving our world. I think we can assume money will remain important in the future and that it will dominate our world even more in days to come. Get ready. So the Bible is rich with information on this topic. Specifically, Scripture reveals that money will have an impact on the end times, both leading up to and during the period known as the tribulation. 
Let's talk about three of the most important financial signs of the end time. Number one, the addiction to money. Can you be addicted to money? Do you know anybody that's addicted to money? 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 2 says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of money. It's easy to think of Wall Street when we read these verses, but we also must grapple with this personally. Paul said that the end times will be a period defined by rejecting what is good and running to embrace what is evil, and much of that will be centered on an ever-increasing appetite for money. That matches what Paul had previously written to Timothy, a verse that's often misunderstood, but listen to it carefully. For the love of money is the root of all evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I always like to tell people that Paul did not say that money was the root of all evil. How many of you know money's neutral? Money has no personality or it's just neutral. It's what we do with money that creates the issue. And Paul said in Timothy, it's not money that's evil, it's the love of money. I want you to listen to something that John Piper wrote about this. He said, God deals in the currency of grace, not in the currency of money. Money is the currency of human resources. So the heart that loves money is a heart that pins its hopes and pursues its pleasures and puts its trust on what human resources can offer. So the love of money is virtually the same as faith in money. Belief and trust and confidence and assurance that money will meet your needs and make you happy. And there are many, many people that you and I know, that's what drives their life. They believe that if they get enough of it, if they can just get a little bit more of it, and if they can store it away, they're going to be okay, and they'll be ready, and they can relax and not worry. And it seems like it takes them all their life to do it, and just when they get what they think is enough, they die. And they give that money to somebody else who hasn't worked for it and usually doesn't know what to do with it. And you know the story. There are so many people that you and I know who try to insulate themselves behind a fortress of materialism. They put their hope in money as a means for buying protection and purpose, power and pleasure. They wear money on their sleeves like cufflinks so others will think more highly of them or at least be envious of them. They invest everything in what is temporary and completely ignore what is eternal. Our addiction to wealth will only grow stronger as we approach the end of history. So let me just say to you, don't let it happen to you. This is our culture, but it cannot be our character. Later in this message, I'll give you some safeguards that have helped me. You don't want to let money get control of your life. If you become addicted to money, it will ruin you and everyone around you. I've seen it over and over and over. It's just a sad thing to see people get addicted to money and you know in your heart that it's going to leave them empty and sad. Every day, if you watch the news, there's a story about that and you can study it for yourself. Then here's another thing that seems quite interesting because there's a lot of discussion about this right now and that's the acceleration of inequality. The last days say that there will be an increasing amount of inequality as far as wealth is concerned. 
As I've been saying, the tribulation is the coming seven-year period during which God will complete his discipline of Israel and bring his wrath to bear on the evil of the world. Within the book of Revelation, chapters 6 through 19, the future period of tribulation is described. It's a good thing to read Revelation 6 through 19, but don't do it before you go to bed. Read it in the morning, because if you read it at night, you will not go to sleep, I promise you. At the beginning of this section in Revelation 6, we read about things that will occur near the beginning of the tribulation. And I want you to listen to this passage carefully, and then I'll explain to you what it means. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Now that's kind of a wordy statement, but what's going on here? The passage describes the seal of judgment during the tribulation, and it paints a picture of worldwide famine. The black horse is a symbol of famine, and it is a time of judgment when resources will be sparse. Many will be thrown into abject poverty and hunger and despair. That's what you had paid for a day's work. A denarius was a day's work. It says, in those days, a denarius would buy a quart of wheat, A quart of wheat will sell for denarius during the tribulation period. A quart of wheat won very much. In fact, it was not enough to sustain a family. And then it goes on to say that three quarts of barley could also be bought for denarius. Imagine a day of back-breaking labor, getting up early in the morning, going out and working your tail off, if I can use that expression, and come back and realize all you got that day was a quart of grain and it isn't even enough to feed your family for one day. The Living Translation puts it this way. A loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay and don't waste the olive oil and wine. Now this verse describes a period of time when basic staples and supplies will be outrageously expensive because of the broader condition of the world, we know it as inflation. We've experienced that periodically in our world's history. One of my favorite stories about this is what happened in Germany when inflation happened. And it took so much money to buy food at the grocery store, you couldn't carry it in your car. And there's this story about a man who went to buy groceries and in order to have enough money to buy groceries, he had to take a wheelbarrow and fill it up with money because everything was so expensive. He went to the grocery store, bought his food with all that money, and when he came out, somebody had stolen his wheelbarrow because it was way more valuable than anything that was in it. That's the kind of disparity that there will be in terms of financials in that time. The tribulation will be a period of extreme economic inequality. Most people will struggle to find basic supplies just to get through the day. Yet, perhaps those who gave themselves most fully to an addiction of money prior to the tribulation are going to have a hard time just getting enough money to get through the day. They will continue to indulge in a luxurious lifestyle, but they won't have any way to support it. Hmm. I guess you could say uh, this is all going to come unraveled uh, in the end. 
In fact, I remember uh, preaching through the book of Revelation and um, and preaching on the destruction of Babylon, which is the monetary empire in the end times. And uh, the words, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. Those, those words describe what's going to happen to the monetary system, which is being built even as we speak today. Well, this is the first half of a financial prophecy, economic chaos. We'll be back tomorrow to finish this all up. And uh, we still have a long way to go in this new series, Where Do We Go From Here? Good time for me to tell you that the book, Where Do We Go From Here?, is the uh, resource for the month of October. It is Practical Biblical Instruction for Living with Hope in Today's World, hardcover, 10 chapters, 240 pages, and it's yours for a gift of any amount to Turning Point. When you ask for this resource, we'll send it to you right away. So be sure to remember how important it is that we support the work of the Word of God and do your best. But however you respond to this invitation, let me just tell you, you send your gift, we'll send you the book. And I hope it will be an encouragement and instruction and a blessing to you going forward. Also want to keep reminding you that we're going to Israel in March of 2022. Our Holy Land tour, March 22nd through April 1st, um, is filling up. We have a lot of folks that have already committed to go with us. And so I hope you won't wait till the last minute. You can go to our website, get the information. There's a brochure there you can download, or we'll be happy to send it to you. You can decide for yourself if you can come with us. Lots of different ways for you to book this trip, but I want you to make sure you make a priority of at least considering it. The Holy Land Tour, March 22nd through April 1st, 2022. I hope you can come with us, and I hope you'll be with us next time for the next edition of Turning Point. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, Where Do We Go From Here?, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, Where Do We Go From Here? And learn how today's issues are linked to biblical prophecy. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with helpful notes and articles from decades of study by Dr. Jeremiah. Get all the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Where Do We Go From Here? on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. I have discovered from my personal experience and as a father that people are persuaded most effectively by truths they discover themselves. We call it learning the hard way or learning in the school of hard knocks. Nobody can take away from us what we have learned personally and have the scars to prove. 
That was the Apostle Paul's view as well. He wrote that he was persuaded that nothing could separate him from the love of Christ. And he listed all the difficult experiences he had been through which had not separated him from Christ. Therefore, no one could persuade him otherwise. And this is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's persuasive life lessons on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today. Today.